Welcome to episode 798 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 789 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm good, and you? Oh, yeah. Well, you going on holiday. How can you not be going good? I'm good about that, but I'm sucking about the rugby. Yeah. Well, did you watch rugby? I did not. I've given up on rugby. Well, so you should. The All Blacks suck at the moment. You wanted them to lose anyway, don't you? Well, so, I tell you what. They're getting beaten by better coaching. That's the problem thing. <laughs> You're right. The problem thing. Does that make sense? Uh... Yeah, it's not good, John. It's not like normally the All Blacks normally lose like one or two games a year at best. This year they've lost three, and we haven't lost two in a row. And the last forty times we've played European teams, we've only lost two. We've lost the last two in a row. <laughs> it's not good. And Go we're coached. So yeah. anyway, I'm talking proudly brought to you by our awesome patrons. Uh, I'll go Adam the King Turner, Steve the Savage Camacho. We've got Paul Dark. Darth uh, Plagueis. Now, who's he? He is off it's one of the Star Wars movies. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> which, I'm just trying to think which one Could it was. Could have given me more than that. So you have one, two. His last name's Yoda, by the way. One, two. Paul Yoda. Paul. I reckon it was probably the second one. I haven't put the new ones. Back. Oh, and the new ones. Yeah, I think it was Darth Plagueis. So wait a second. Are you meaning like the, this, the, the, the prequels, the first prequels? Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. Darth Maul was the guy with the. Attack of the Clones. Horns. I think so. I should have consulted Thomas before I came. Wait a second, I'm going to do a search on it. Okay, this week's show, we've got some news, we've got Hot Topic of the Week, we've got an interview. We have. Uh, fingers crossed we're doing an interview, we're recording Why early. You're not, you're not confident about this one, are you? Well, no, we're just, we're, whenever we haven't done the interview, we normally come into the studios, do the interview, locked and loaded, we're doing the intro and everything like that before then doing the interview, but we should have Paul Newsom on the show from Swim Smooth, and he is going to be talking about a fancy new app that I saw on his website. It's pretty impressive. Things. Okay, Dark Plagueis is the should long face one. It's got a real long face. Oh, yeah, I would not have picked that. No, but you picked the name. I know. So, so there you go. You're a real Star Wars fan, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Okay, this week's... Okay, we've done that. Uh, okay, results. Iron Man, South Africa. It looks like we had... I didn't get to see it, but it looks like we had two really good races. Um, for the win at least Yeah I was I didn't really see the run I had I was working On Sunday night And just had it Sort of playing away there uh, On the female side um, Ruth Astle Sort of got to the front On the bike And she had Imogene Simons With her for a while She also had Lauren Brandon for her, With her for a while And also Manon Guignet Was not too far back But did, did, did Ruth we, lose the lead For a bit? Uh, don't know about that okay. well, she, she, she was sort of Wasn't in the lead from the get go in the swim. Now the swim did get cut in half. Saw some footage of the swim. It's probably the right call. What it was it? Pretty horrific, was it? Yeah. Well, this was from a helicopter shot, and you could see the amount of movement. So, it sounded like I think they were probably somewhat fortunate to, to get a swim. Okay. It's not the first time this happened. When I looked at the results a couple of years ago, they had the swim cut in half. So, half distance swim, 
better than nothing. Uh, the bike looks really, really windy, uh, getting blown all over the show. Um, but Ruth Astle rode to the front with a 455.49. Uh, pulled away quite nicely in the second half and then ran a 311.55, which is about par for her. She still needs to, you know, if she wants to be a serious contender at, you know, big, big races, probably needs to get that down to, to three, but still a good run for her. Um, but yeah, she got closed in really um, quickly by Anna Watkinson, who ran a sub three, ran 259.26 and it ended up being less than two minutes. Uh, another South African third, Jade Roberts, uh, was another seven minutes back. Imogene Simons faded. She's, she's had a couple of poor Ironman runs. She's a weapon 70.3 athlete, but hasn't quite got the run leg together consistently at Ironman. She had a similar result uh, only two or three weeks ago in Ironman Florida, where she ran basically the same time within three seconds of 3.27. So a bit like Ruth Astle needs to get that time down to three hours if she wants to be a big contender like she is at 70.3s. Okay, then the men's side of the race, Kingley was winning and got, did get run down. Yeah, well, they they came off the bike, I think, the together. Uh, they were very close anyway, so this is Sebastian Keenlay and Maurice Clavel. Um, and they were, f- footage that I saw, they were sort of chopping and changing a bit on the run, and Keenlay passed him, and then he must have passed him back and ended up winning by a minute 45, Maurice Clavel, his first uh, Ironman victory. He so was tell us pumped. a bit about him. Uh, it was his first Ironman victory, and he is 33 years old, another German, uh, 183 centimetres tall, if you want to oh, know, wow. Bevan. Yep. Um, but no, that's Born a big, big step up for him, because uh, he got sixth in Germany this year, um, has done a bunch of 70.3s pr- prior to that in 2019, got a 38th in Hawaii, got a, last time he did South Africa, got a fifth, so done quite well at 70.3s. Um, got a third in Challenge Road in 2017. Mm, so he's, he's, he's there or thereabouts, isn't he? But just as a bit of a breakthrough, definitely a step up, mm. and and hence why he was he looked pretty pumped when he finished. Uh, but good to see Sebastian Kenley back in the action because uh, he said he's going to be retiring. I'm not sure if he said at the end of this, year, oh, probably did he? at the end of next year, I think. So um, yeah, he's still got it. You know, I know he's been battling with a bunch of injuries, but 247 is pretty respectable, solid bike, solid swim. So. Um, yeah, he's not uh, not quite washed up there, and it was a good field. You know, Rasmus Svensson was uh, third, Kyle Buckingham was fourth, Bradley Weiss was fifth, Anthony Costa sixth. So it was a it was a decent field. So good to see Keenlay back in the mix. What was with Sam Lado's Eurobars? Oh yeah, so this was insane. So a lot of you guys will have seen, and we discussed before the like the Tour de France. You know, they've got these really extreme positions with. Um, the base bars being significantly lower than the aero bars. And it didn't look like his base bar was crazy low, but the gap between his base bar and his aero bar was ginormous. Oh, really? And, uh, and his aero bars did not look that stable. Uh, and you're looking at it going, man, I hope those things don't break. Um, but they didn't break, but it looked like he did break himself uh, because he was leading early on, um, rode a 4.20 uh, off being third out of the swim, um, but had a DNF on the run. So we heard from him earlier in the year. There were a few other DMS, DNFs there, Je- uh, Jesper Svensson, Nils Fromholm. So, yeah, it was a good quality field, and that was I'm in South Africa. Okay, so we had Cozumel. Now, was that swim short as well? 
Well, this is, yeah, Cozumel was on. It's literally only finished about an hour or two ago. But look at well, the times. The swim, I don't think it's short. I think it's current assisted because the uh, times there are always really, really look quick. Look at Bloomfield. Okay, so it turns out Bloomfield can do an Ironman. It does. And <laughs> look at that it's time. It's a shame. It's a real shame that this is going to have a little asterisk next to it because of that swim. So yeah. swam 39.41, biked 4.02, and then ran a 2.35. For a finish time of seven twenty one, that is 12. phenomenal. Yeah. So swim normally is about forty three. No, you'd probably say forty five, forty six. So you add six minutes to it, so it's still a sub seven thirty. Yeah, and it's still, you know, again, it's going to be about the same time that Fredino did for his oh. tri battle challenge. Yeah, so is, is, um, who's the guy we talked about last week? Gustav um, Eden. Is he doing Ironman? Yep, World Championships. Well, none of them, hundred percent confirmed, but um, I'm assuming. How about we so. had Bloomingfield, Fredino? And Gustav Eden. Oh yeah, no, it's going to be. Uh, that's like that's a performance, isn't it? What he's pulled off here. It is indeed. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't much of a field to go up against, uh, but he monstered them on the bike as well. And and to put it in perspective, you know, he rode a four oh two. The course record previously there, I think, was about four oh six, four oh seven from Michael Weiss, who's mm. you know, a really beastly strong bike rider. Yep. Uh, and then a two thirty five. And I, I did a quick look at the course. Uh, he Blumenfeld does post all his stuff on Strava, so it will go up there, so we'll see how accurate it is. But based off prior years, the bike looks accurate. In fact, if anything, a little bit long. Um, uh, and then the run looks accurate as well from a couple of files that I looked at. So it's not like it's significantly short, and if anything, it's a fraction long. However, I guess that balances up the swim slightly. So, yeah, as Bevan said, you still you add that's the real deal. Five, That's six, a great seven minutes. Um, yeah, what's the record now? Well, seven twenty-seven. If you take Frodo's, so realistically, record. that's on par. Mm. And and as was Gustav Eden's prior week, where the swim was the opposite end of the spectrum, it was a bit long. So bloody yeah, impressive. Ex- so we're and a really exciting moment in the sport, aren't we? Because we've got we've got two absolute rock stars coming through, mm. and it kind of means like you know, like a Sanders. You know, the the guys have been. Fredino has been a rock star in in. You'd argue Patrick, Patrick um, Langer, but you, you'd argue, you, that, you'd argue <laughs> you that pretty argue hard. <laughs> but but realistically, we, you know, the I, the question is how motivated is Fredino? Because he is now 40. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been no showing that he's getting any slower. Like at, at the Collins Cup, he was the fastest athlete. So I'd say this motivates you rather than demotivates you. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but then you also get to that point where it's like, I've done it all. Mm-hmm. You know, like on, and on race day, when these guys are next to you and you're you're struggling a bit, nah, that's when the excuses start to come in. I, yeah. I agree. I, like Fredino is a legend. Don't get me wrong. So I'm not saying he's got any lack of motivation. But how cool if we get those three in Kona? Yeah, and uh, I, I think Fredino would just need a little bit of a lead on them off the bike because um, those guys are weapons on the run and they've done this. But not, he's not going to um, get a lead, is he? That's on that. Well, he's a much better swimmer than those two, so he'll definitely be leading them out of the swim. He'll definitely have a gap. Um, how much? Of, how much of a better swimmer? Oh, uh, you know they'll they'll be at the front of the second pack, and it just depends whether Fredino gets away with the swimmers and and gets a bit of a gap. But you know it's not going to be significant. But we've seen before Fredino can get in that front group and then stay there, and maybe a few ride up to him. But you know the, yeah they're going to have to ride up to him. I'd, I'd be very surprised if they came out of the water with him. However, that being said, you know we've got to factor in St George. That'll yeah, be true. a wetsuit swim, I'm, I assume. Harder ride. Um, yeah. I wouldn't have thought so without the wind. Uh, so there'll be two quite different races. It'll be interesting to see if the Norwegians are going to do both events or not. You know, I think they'll definitely do Kona, 
whether or not they do St. George as the well. The disadvantage for Fredino is it's not in Kona. Mm. Because he's, he knows the game. Yeah. Whereas well, going to St. George... Does he go to St. George? Who knows? Surely. Well, it's pretty hard to peak in May and then peak again in October. He's, he's done it but because he's done. He's often done Germany. Mm. Well, we'll wait and see. So anyway... Surely, to me, if it's him, it's like he can pop out two wins that he goes up to five wins. Mm. You know, and he's getting... It's not Kona though, is it? It's what people are going to say. Oh do, you, do you, oh, do you think there's going to be a problem, do you? Yeah. Do you think five years from now people are going to go, oh, yeah, but is that one he didn't win in Kona? Possibly. I think, I think it depends if the field turns up. Mm. If all the rock stars are there, it still counts. Mm. So. Anyway, Rudy Wild was second place. It was a really good performance by him. But again, you know, light, there's a lot of lightning fast times here. So it was clearly a quick day. He went uh, 7.36, which is great. Paul Schuster, haven't heard of Paul before. He went 7.41 and Robert... Well, uh, let's just go with Paul for third. <laughs> what about um, non-female race? Uh, I don't think there was any females there, and we didn't have uh, a huge number of pros finishing. Uh, Cam Worth wasn't there. Obviously, Keenlay wasn't there. Pat- Patrick Nilsson, uh, he was riding with um, with Blumenfeld because I was watching it this morning, and they were riding together, riding together, and all of a sudden he's eight minutes down, so I'm not sure if he completely Our detonated. Penalty. Or if he had a mechanical and just uh, pulled out. But yeah, 402 is is legit, uh, especially when everyone else is riding 14 to 415. Okay, so last week we had the, the discussion of the week with Fredino versus Gustav Eden. What about Bloomfield in there? Who do you pick out of those three? Oh, 7.3 okay. and I know. It's, it's a pretty much the same argument almost. Yeah, but you've got to pick one. Yeah, I'd, I'd still go with Eden. And uh, I'd go with Fredino and Kona, Eden, everywhere else. Really? Mm. What would Not you Blumenfield. go for? Bloomfield's just proven he can deliver. Yeah, well, what would you go for? Though? I've just given you my choice. I still go for Dan Kona. Yeah, so you're copying me? Yeah. Yep. And I go Eden everywhere else. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Come on, Bloomfield's Olympic champion. You're not going to bait me into changing my mind. No, I, I actually would say, I would say 70.3 on going Bloomfield. Okay. He's an Olympic champion. He's the fastest man in the world right now. He hasn't got any 70.3 world titles. He hasn't done any, has he? He has. Oh, has he? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, maybe maybe not. <laughs> In that case, I'm going, Eden Everhouse. <laughs> okay. Uh, there was Ironman Arizona. But it's actually, actually it's, and that's in progress at the moment. I was going to put the results in here, but it's actually happening as we speak. Made a few 70.3s as well. We did. Uh, I haven't got the results for this because it was age group only, but it was a, there was a 70.3 in Egypt, which I thought was kind of cool that the, the sport is actually expanding into those parts. Can't imagine, well, it could be wrong. Might be racing racing in Egypt in, in the past, but it looks like they had about 750 to 800 people racing. Have so you been to Egypt? I've been to Egypt. It's What's it the, like? the best holiday I've ever had. Why? In terms of, oh, just... Mind-blowing? Yeah. We were just going down to Luxor, stayed a couple of nights there, went to Cairo. It's only about four or five nights, but... Just the history is just mind blowing. It's highly recommend. Although that was, yeah, we were safe? probably a little is bit naive back then. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't safe then. How safe it is now, I'm not quite sure. But for uh, for for a country, they do must look after the tourists. Well, yeah, we f- we flew in on a charter flight, and then you had a uh, you went in convoy to your hotel yeah. into Luxor, and then uh, and then, but we did catch the train up. Was to it just Cairo. absolutely mind blowing? Oh, it's just ginormous. You're thinking these blocks at the pyramids are ginormous, and how the hell did they even put them in place? It's bizarre. Definitely recommend if yeah, it's safe. I'd love to go there. Good place to go to a race. Okay, so because we're because this is pretty much in Sonar, isn't it? So 
We thought we'd have a look at the rankings for the end of the year. So the prize money is going to be $2 million. And the good thing about the prize money is it kind of gets spread out quite fairly. So if you win the overall rankings, you get 100000 for the first place athlete. Then it kind of moves down to 5000 from 1 through to 19 or 20. Then from every athlete from 20 to 50 gets to uh, 5000 And then everything over 50, between 51 and 100, ends up getting 2000 So mm. it's pretty good. It is pretty solid. We'll just quickly look at this. It's always interesting to see. So is this the guaranteed end of the year? No, no. There's still a couple of races to go, but I don't think we'll see much movement because Lucy Charles Barclay is racing Challenge Daytona, um, or not Challenge, whatever it's called, uh, Clash Daytona. But I don't still don't think there'll be much movement because we've got to remember it's not a, a points accumulation process getting these stats. It's your best result, best three results I think it is uh, yeah it is your best three results so, so she probably wouldn't have topped that anyway would she yeah I mean a few people might lose their worst result if they have a good um, event in the next couple of weeks but yeah there's only a couple of events left to go so Lucy Charles is on top on the females what's interesting there is uh, it's only point about 0.58 of a point in front of Daniela Reef. Uh, so where Daniela Reef got a little bit let down was her 70.3 in Dubai, which she probably won. But to put this in perspective, she got 114 yeah. points for St. George, where she obliterated the field. 110 points in Ironman Tulsa, where she um, had a good win. And then uh, Dubai, she got 96. Compare that to Lucy Charles. But Lucy got, obviously, because the Ironman were 70.3 were championships, is more grade. Because she got 123 there, so that's actually the big difference. She obliterated everybody there. Yeah. Uh, and then she got a Collins Cup result and a 70.3 in Elsinore, which I think was the European champs. Laura Phillips been quite a big mover. She's had uh, did heaps of racing in the second part of the season. Won Finland, won Austria, uh, also did Challenge Daytona, but that was her worst result, pulling her down. And rounding out the top five, we've got Taylor Nibb and Ann Haug, so pretty any, solid. Any in the top ten you're surprised by? Let's have a look down there. Uh, Paula Finlay, she isn't. She's she. That's the thing. You you can be up and down like a bit of a yo-yo. But still, you have three still good do results. well, yeah. and she's got three solid results. She smoked it in Daytona, uh, and then she had seventy point three California and seventy point three St George. So you know she had some poor results, but had some really good results as well. Um, yeah, looking through here, a few that have moved lately. Heather Jackson's on the the rise again. She's back up to thirteenth place. Um, no, I'm not. Nothing, no great surprises there in the top top 10. Okay. And on the, the boys' side. Gus Feden takes it out. And again, I think what really hurts for Dino is there's no real, he didn't really do the world championships. Mm-hmm. You know, because there was no 70.3 race for him. He didn't do Kona, obviously. So he was the fastest in Collins Cup. So he got the best Collins Cup score. Um, he won challenge, challenge Miami. And he won Challenge Grand Canaria. But I don't recall that. I recall that being, and I'm just having a look at it now. Yeah, reasonably, yeah, reasonably close race. So he won that race. Did it went uh, 3:41, but he's only a minute in front of Pablo Gonzalez uh, and Nick Castellone. So still won it, um, but didn't win it by a gigantic margin. Hence why he didn't get an uber amount of points. Lionel Sanders in third, no surprise there. Sam Long fourth. Patrick Langer still manages to hold on to fifth. Uh, his results were uh, Tulsa, he won that really impressively. Uh, Challenger Rote and Challenge Grand Canaria, which he uh, also did as well against Jan Fredino. Did, so did he win the Rote, did he? Uh, let's have a quick look. I think he did. Let's have a look, let's have a look. See, this is fantastic. Yeah, it is. PTO, fantastic. this is the sort of yeah, stuff he you did go... It. It's 4, yeah. 719, it must. Yeah, he did. 719, was Jeez. it short? 
Uh, doesn't look like it is, does it? They did change the bike. The must bike. Have been short. They had to cut the bike course because yeah, of right. roadworks. That's right. But he won that impressively, eleven minutes. He's the real God. deal, John. He is the real deal. I can't believe you never back him. You're the same. No, I, I do. <laughs> I back him. I, I think he's won it twice. Lionel Sanders has been the, one of the movers um, recently. He's gone up three slots. Who else in the top ten? I'd say Ben Canute. Maybe that's, I already rate him as a 70.3 athlete, but maybe a little bit surprising to see him there. But he's got Collins Cup, 70.3 Texas and Challenge Miami. Uh, Florian Angert, he mainly does 70.3s. Uh, Challenge Samarin. Uh, Ironman Maoka, so I'll just contradict what I just said there. <laughs> and there was an Ironman Tulsa, so it's not 70.3 results. His uh, two Ironmans and uh, and a challenge race. And Rudy Von Berg rounds out the top 10. Probably the one that's not there, and I don't know that he will be there after today, is Christian Blumenfeld. Obviously, that result is going to be um, a good point scorer, but I'm not sure if he's got he's not high three, enough, really, three other results, or two other results there um, that are going to count. So, yeah. Good times, good bonuses, good if you're in the top 10, and even if you're sort of, let's see who's down in number 100 position. Here we go, number 100. Andreas Lopez is going to be getting uh, a little $2,000 end-of-year bonus. He did uh, 70.3 Main, 70.3 Memphis, and 70.3 St. George. Do you think he even knows he's on it? Don't know, but let's have a quick look where he's nice got. to kind of get a call saying, oh, by the way, you can a couple of K coming your way. Yeah, I'm just going to see where he got in St. George. Oh, great podcasting, this great podcasting, yep. uh, especially when I go scroll down. Andreas, he got 24th in St. George. Against a, that was a very strong field. He's only one place behind uh, Sam Appleton. Uh, he was one in front of Trip Hipple, love that name, and he was two in front of Ben Canute. So, and he's only just behind the likes of Ben Hoffman. So that's a cool thing, you know, supporting the top guys, making sure they earn good, good dough and uh, just those lower-ranked athletes, it's at least keeping something. Here's a question in. for you. Of of the young kids right now, like you like um, who's who's really fast young kids? Who's the Hayden boy? Wild? Hayden Wild. If they were to do an Ironman right now, of all the, only young kids, mm. who would you pick? Well, he's done a seventy point three, and he didn't actually. He still did well, but he didn't win it. Flora Duffy's not young. I just want to see her do a long distance race. She'll absolutely. No, I mean like the next it. generation. Who's the next generation who's just come through? Like Alex Yee, you know, like that kind of not not the people who are kind of at the end of the ITU world. Mm. Oh, I'd like to see the guy Schomburg. He does uh, does ITU stuff, and he's just a nut nut bar. He just goes yeah. hard <laughs> all the time, and just attacks off the front. And then people get annoyed. Almost, with I think they probably do. Almost always gets run down. Has had a couple of good results, but he'd be quite interesting because he'd probably just slam it on the bike. Who was that? Who was that cyclist? Gordon McCauley. Mm-hmm. And so overseas, a New Zealand cyclist. Because it was a really good New Zealand cyclist, and. Uh, the tour of South New Zealand's biggest cycle tour, and he won it a few times. And a mate of mine, when I was cycling, said, All he did, he just attacked, and people mm. just got pissed off of him. Mm. <laughs> and he just kept attacking. Eventually, the, the group just got sick of him and let him go. Mm. And that's where he won the tour. Yeah. yeah. Good on him. Uh, what other pieces of news we've got here? We've got uh, nothing much this weekend, but we have got Xterra coming up. And Flora Duffy is just going to probably line her sack of golden medals with another one there winning probably one of the exterior world champs but I'm looking forward you mentioned Hayden Wild before he's going to be racing he's a good exterior racer can't get back to New Zealand could uh, he win so, it? oh yeah definitely so that's going to be awesome to see how he goes and then we've got Clash Daytona so the season keeps on rolling some no. people have been late racing for a very very long time well the concern is for their longevity mm-hmm. and know? concerned for next season yeah if you're still racing in december and you're racing hard and in, in may the fact that like you know let's think of a hayden wild 
So 2023 is the next, no, 23 is the next Olympics, isn't mm. it? Is that right? Was it 24? Uh, 24. Yeah, okay. So nothing really changes in how they'd approach that, would they? It's, it's still three years. Mm. Yeah, okay, okay. I thought it was a little bit closer. Okay, this week's discussion. What item would you like to make you faster? Would you buy to make you faster next season? Was the basic question John had here. Uh, you can go first, John. We, we didn't have uh, a great deal of really a great question, insightful, be <laughs> insightful um, answers. I did have in front of me before, and now I've managed to... Okay, Mel Satie has got... Uh, uh, a new body Oh and probably Not appropriate to buy New bodies Fair enough Obviously injuries Yes Next up John Yeah you go for it Craig Lane A coach is your best investment Oh well, Who is that Give him Give him a Craig Lane He knows how to say In his lane Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Dean uh, Muggeridge Has got I was thinking about An aero helmet But I can't find one That doesn't make Me look like a knob mm, That is a challenge With aero helmets That is a challenge um, Yeah Okay, I'm going to get down the bottom there. Barbara Harkin-Nielsen's got, I'm getting the stride running power meter. We See, got those. One. Did yep. you use it? Uh, yeah, I've used a stride one. Uh, you've got to be, it's one of those things, you've got to be really into it and you've got to be happy to delve deep into the numbers. And Some people you? love them. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm fine without it. You know, there's two, for me, sometimes there's a bit of data, data overload. So I personally don't use it, um, but others find it fantastic. It's my top drawer. Top drawer? I think I use it once. Yeah. Nice. Which is that I was dreaming. Should do. <laughs> Richard Swan says the finest Russian EPO. Uh, Linus Pagasara says a new body. Anna Sulikov says Eden's legs. Simon Miles says a disc wheel cover. Did you do that one, did you? No, I'm um, going to do Matt Tish. He's got Lamborghini. Nice. Fred Willis says the kick pants from Hoob. So I haven't actually seen the kick pants, but I'm wondering if they're just the, the buoyancy shorts that okay. other companies do that sort of hoist you up, give you a slightly more... Um, Flotation when you swing. Uh, go to Lucy Francis. It's got a swimming pool. Keep dreaming. My garden is way too small. And last one I'll do. I uh, know oh I've got two more. I'll do. Uh, Paul Monroe says a zip disc. Paul, you should listen to the podcast we did a couple of weeks ago with um, yep. Dave Bowden. And a disc is definitely going to get you some time, but there might be other areas you can get better time as well. Tommy Morwood's got. I'd love to buy a new pair of carbon plate shoes. To see if it makes any difference over my 5k time, I can't see myself actually forking out 400 plus for a pair, so I'll keep dreaming. Have you actually got some? Uh, that'll be my, I'll, I'll talk about that when we get there. Okay. Peter Colson says an aura ring and a lactate testing kit, probably one of those e-bikes with a hidden battery also helps, and flippers. Uh, Greg Gorman's got a new body, Tyo, Toby Chanel's got less pizza. You go ahead, I'm just looking at... I think, uh, I think we've done them all. I'm, I'm just looking what an aura ring is. Good old Tim, did you do Tim Martini? You can't go again with Tim. Okay. Uh, not really equipment, but I believe the best thing to help me get faster would be a coach. Oh, okay. yeah. And you're talking about the ring, are you? An aura ring. Doesn't an aura ring just tell you what aura you got? It's a 24-7 heart rate monitoring personalized with health insights, steep sleep analysis. Oh, and so so like, yeah, I do, I do know what it is. It's, it's a ring you wear. It's just basically taking your stats. Yeah. I'm not really into all that stuff. How much is that going to sting you? Okay, let's have a look. How much is that going to sting you, John? Shop now. Wait, but wait, there's more. But wait. 300 bucks US. Mm. Are you into all that kind of stuff? Not really. Because If it helps, hey, 300 bucks is a small price to, pr- price to pay if you can get better quality sleep and better recovery. Yeah, totally. But I'm, I sleep well, I eat well. I don't need to stress about that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, Jumbo, this oh, oh, sorry. for you. Yep. Um, Buying speed. I would definitely, I'm going to have to go at some stage and get some of these carbon players' shoes. So I'm oh, not. It's going to be hard for you. It is 
going to be very difficult. I don't know why, because you get stuff on bike all the time and it's no problem. I'm happy with Well, because you go through them in 12 weeks. So, yeah, I won't train them, I wouldn't have thought. Um, You'd have to, wouldn't you? Oh, well, you train in them for specific sessions, but not uh, 24, se- not all my runs. No, certainly not. How long do they last? Do they have a good long? Uh, I think it's quite variable from brand to brand. Okay. But yeah, no, I would be using them for key sessions and racing. And yeah, it is a step into the dark side, but it's, uh, yeah. You want to keep speed, the speed. playing field even. You kind of got to go there. Now, when you go to local races, how many people were in them? Uh, don't know. I don't, not a great deal. But I'm, I'm going to pluck a figure out and say less than 5%. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I would have thought that's just a guess. I don't know. Go and, go and, go and talk to a, a shoe company and ask them. That would be the, probably the one thing that I think I'll buy in the next 12 months to try to go faster. Yeah, well, if I was going to buy anything for speed, which I don't because I'm, I'm in the weights room nowadays, John. Mm-hmm. You probably notice I'm getting pretty huge. Yeah, massive. Um, and so it's been protein powder. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll buy some creatine. Mm. Um, for me, it would be yeah, something like that. If I was going Because I'm never going to do running races, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm not going to buy any bike speed. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I would like to try the shoes. I don't want to spend 400 bucks to give them a try. Mm. But I'm sure Reebok will give you some. Reebok's, I love Reebok. Mm. Running shoes. Mm. Okay. Not Reebok. Come on, Adidas. own Reebok, so I can say that. Okay, John, uh, this week's discussion is putting policing and drafting aside. Putting policing of drafting to one side. Well, you haven't put that there. You've put putting policing drafting. I'm just reading what you wrote. you just got to get the flow right. <laughs> okay. Putting policing drafting to one side, comma. <laughs> <laughs> we know because you were both shit at grammar and spelling. And whenever John, and I'm not sure if that's right. Okay. Doesn't matter, John did it. But <laughs> that's, that's not a good excuse. Mine's rubbish. So putting policing drafting aside to one side, um, what are some of the small in-race things that race good race organisers do that make their events stand out from others? You throw that in there. I didn't have that. Oh, that's okay, okay. What are small in-race things that... Yeah, oh, you had that one. That was Good race organisers do to make their events... You, you throw another that in there. Oh, okay, stand out. Come on, man. <laughs> Sort out your shit. <laughs> oh, it's funny actually because my book, so my book's at the publisher right now, but I'm going to do an audio book version. And I looked into doing it myself because we've got all the gear, so I thought I'd do it myself. Well, I'm a terrible read out. God, you guys listen to this forever. I'm reading out loud. That's one of my biggest weaknesses. So they're saying that basically for an hour of a book, for an audio book, takes you about eight hours mm. to do. And Because <laughs> I was thinking, oh, I'll do it myself. Yeah. Well, f- my book's probably going to be about seven or eight hours. Yeah. So really, that's probably going to be because for me, that hour is going to be like twelve hours. Let's be mm. honest. Mm. Uh, so I was thinking, I could do it myself. And I was like, back it up. That's going to be like play t- one hundred and twenty hours. Mm. So you know what I did? Gonna pay someone to do it. <laughs> for all those correctors out there, I, I sometimes people correct me on on my Facebook post, posts, which are partially dyslexic half the time. <laughs> it's like it's casual. No one really cares. Don't be a corrector. Yeah. It's really annoying. Yeah. But then I kind of get that some people are really anal about this stuff. Yeah. Just take a chill pill. Just relax. It's okay. It, you get the meaning. Yeah. Because for me, like I'm actually really proud of my reading and writing because I couldn't spell the when I was like 18. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's funny because I'm still pretty poor, but I'm actually, you know, I have grown a lot. Mm. And so, you know, the fact that I've written a book. Um, so people might go, oh, he's not the greatest at spelling grammar. Actually, I'm quite proud of it. <laughs> so. Anyway, so that's this week's discussion. Hopefully you figured out from what we read out there. Uh, we've got an interview coming up, John. We have. We're talking to Paul Newsom with an E. Oh, yeah. There we go. There we go. Here's Paul Newsom from Swim Smooth. Ben? 
Okay, team. So we, as we just said, Paul Newsom, Newsom with an E, is on the show. We've had him on before, but it's been been a while. Mm. I, I looked it up. I think he was on a couple of times when we we're in the the three hundreds episodes, and maybe one in the five hundreds. I think we're up to nearly eight hundred now. So it's been a while. But he's a former top athlete himself. He's the founder of Swim Smooth, um, which a lot of you guys will have heard of, and also done some uh, pretty amazing little swim challenges in different parts of the world. So welcome back to the show, Paul. Thanks, guys. It's great to be back on. And it, yeah, it just seemed like a long, long time ago since I spoke to you. So, uh, but it's amazing to see you guys nearly up to episode 800. Yeah. I'm absolutely blown away by that. <laughs> hey, I do recall last time we spoke to you, um, you'd, I think you'd gone and done the swimming in the, the Hudson or yeah, swimming Manhattan, in, was in Manhattan. Manhattan. Um, yeah. And obviously, I, I imagine the last 18 months you haven't done anything, but have you done any other sort of epic swim challenges after you did that sort of New York one? Well, funny enough, the New York one now is eight years ago, believe it or not. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, the time has really flown. So it was 2013. And um, straight after that one, I actually ended up uh, injuring my back. I had a lower back problem. I had to go into hospital, have some surgery for that. And um, apparently it's nothing to do with the swimming, but actually throwing my kids around. They were still really oh. young at that point in time, sort of thing. <laughs> so uh, not throwing them against the wall, obviously, you understand. But, uh, <laughs> well, sometimes it feels uh, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um, yeah. Yeah, so um, I ended up having a bit of a bit of a back issue there for a little while, and then um, I did another uh, Rottnest. Um, obviously, the big big swim over here is the Rottnest Marathon swim, which is a twenty k swim from Cottesloe over to Rottnest Island, and I did that in two thousand fifteen. But then uh, myself and uh, I think one of your previous guests, also um, uh, the owner of Precision Hydration, Andy Blow, mm. um, we got back in touch with each other after many many years of um, you know since we left university and. And we started training up to do these uh, crazy Earth Deleur events. And um, I did a, I did one over in the Scilly Isles in the UK, with uh, not with Andy, but with a different guy. And then I did a few around this area. And then uh, me and Andy decided to try and qualify for the uh, World Championships in 2018 over in Sweden. And that just about wrecked me. Uh, <laughs> um, I've done various of the, I love these swim run challenges because it sort of harks back a little bit to my triathlon days, if you like, without the necessity to be out on the bike for big long periods of time. And uh, I love trail running. Um, I'm not I'm not that great with running these days for, by any stretch of the imagination. And some of the swim runs that I've done, I've always found them much, much easier if I've been the stronger runner and the weaker swimmer. Um, and that has happened a few times. With, with I've got a very good mate over here, a coach who's a fantastic swimmer, and he's getting into triathlon. You know, he's still he's still posting sort of sub four hour uh, half Ironman events. He's his name is uh, Brad Smith, but he would classify himself more as a pure swimmer than a triathlete and still hitting those massive times. Anyway, um, but when I did it with Andy, um, Andy's still mega, mega fit. And um, we did the did this massive race together. I think it's 65Ks of trail running, 10Ks of open water swimming um, in the archipelago in off Sweden there. And um, it's an amazing event, like absolutely amazing. I think the after about six hours of racing, they make you do a, a half marathon run. So you're absolutely knackered. And you make you do a half marathon run and you're wearing your wetsuit and you've got your, you know, your soggy trainers on and your pool boy and your paddles and stuff like that. And, uh, oh, I, I can't begin to describe the amount of fatigue I felt at the end of that race. It, it was just off the charts, basically. But it was great to have done it, you know. And, um, yeah, and these days, obviously, I've been restricted with, with COVID. Um, I, I was building up to doing some uh, a big race over in the UK, uh, the Windermere Swim, which is um, something I've always wanted to do. It's not that long. You know, it's about 18 kilometers or something, but it is in 
cold fresh water and you have the option to do it in a wetsuit or non and i would have done it in a non-wetsuit and i was, I was going to try and there's a bit of a record for that i was going to try and uh, try and nab that record but unfortunately that never eventuated um which is a bit of a shame but uh yeah other than that the only other thing i only other crazy thing i've been doing and i'm not sure if you guys have heard about it over here is the best fest swimming festival um i've done maybe three or four of these now they're over in mallorca so if you've ever been over to spain mallorca it's just obviously an amazing place for triathlon especially and um yeah this it's almost like the tour de france of of open water swimming if you like you do a different race every every day sometimes twice in a day and you just accrue points over the course of a week and uh you know the winner is the, the guy in the yellow jersey or the yellow hat if you like yellow swim cap at the end of it all and yeah that's a that's a really good event because they, they get many of the world's best open water swimmers along for that one so a lot of the uh potential teams from britain germany holland um or the netherlands i should say and um yeah bring them all together and, and race them off and you get to race against those really top level olympic athletes right on the same course at the same time as them which is pretty cool you know you're pretty passionate about this open water stuff did you do you love watching the olympics oh love it yeah absolutely love it yeah um there's a it's really interesting i find watching the olympics um both in the pool and in the open water and just looking at the different styles of strokes and and you know what makes uh what makes somebody tick and somebody not sort of thing in the especially in the open water um i've got a uh, a young guy that i'm coaching at the moment he won the australian open water swimming championships a couple of years ago um his name's byron and somebody i was telling somebody about the speed that he swam and he goes gee that guy must be really big is he i said no completely the opposite you know when he first joined us he was uh, 16 years of age and wouldn't be wouldn't have been taller than about five foot like he was tiny oh, really? and wow. yeah and like weighed about 40 kilos and stuff but his um his stroke rate in the open water is absolutely off the charts it's insane and he's in grow he's grown a little bit now but you imagine one of the nice things about open water swimming is the ability to draft off someone you try yeah. drafting off somebody who's 40 kilos like maybe half your body weight <laughs> yeah, and true. they just don't give anything you don't give anything so tactically he had a he had a great or has got a great disposition really because even now even though he's developed and matured a bit he's still small a lot smaller than the rest of the field so he can sort of tuck in there he's not afraid to get bashed around a little bit and um and he's you know his, his his way of winning a race is not by leaving it to the last 50 meters or 100 meters like a lot of the guys do a little bit like a tour de france sprint stage yeah he has to make a bit of a breakaway usually around about six or seven hundred meters to go because he hasn't got that top end speed but yeah. he's just got this ability yeah. to just grind it out basically and um yeah he's he's an awesome athlete to work and, with and people can't draft off him is it that well once he kind of makes his move yeah, once he makes his move, he try a little bit. I probably shouldn't be giving away all his secrets, but um, he, he makes a move by shifting off to the side a little bit, like he would do in the Tour de France. You know, it's not too dissimilar to that at all. Yeah. I'm yet to throw up a, a drone and actually get some footage of that because it it does look pretty spectacular when the guys do that. And uh, you know, he was racing last weekend at the state championships here, and um, there's four guys all in contention over the 7.5k um um finish and uh you should the, the video of them finishing off at the end is incredible i asked them i said guys how fast do you think you were swimming because obviously it's hard to actually gauge that they were very confident that they did the last 200 meters well under two minutes so oh, they're absolutely geez. booming you know that's at the end of an hour and a half worth of swimming you know they're absolutely flying these guys and um yeah, and it's quite interesting watching them wear wetsuits as well because generally speaking, the open water fraternity don't wear wetsuits. Um, the you know the um, 
um, what is it, the legalities around that or the, the rules of the races and stuff slightly different with triathlon. Uh, it has to be slightly colder for a wetsuit to be to be worn for open water phenol legal swimming at least. And uh, so watching these guys dealing with, with wearing a wetsuit when, you know, most triathletes love wearing wetsuits, but most swimmers will tell you that they they hate it, uh, no matter how flexible they are sort of thing, you know. So, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I certainly I certainly love the open water. It's, that's for sure. It's, it's a real source of inspiration and uh, love being out there myself, obviously. I have to get you over to New Zealand to, to swim the Cook Strait. That's a, Do you know what? Believe it or not, funny you should say that because the the very very first place I want to go when the whole crazy world opens up again is New Zealand. Um, I mentioned I've got Dan Plews, one of my best mates in in New Zealand. Another guy, Dan Moore and Merler, one of our coaches over there. Um, they've all asked me to come over to Auckland and uh, spend a bit of time over there. Yeah. Um, I love I love New Zealand. It's been a it's been a while since probably 2015 I was last over there. Um, but I'd I'd, come, I'd love to come and do that. The interesting thing with the Cook Strait is it's um, it's very challenging, no question. But there's only one guy who's actually licensed to actually take anybody across. Yeah. His oh, name gosh. is Philip Rush. Oh, really? yeah. Oh, no, Philip. Yeah, yeah. So um, he's brilliant swimmer himself. In fact, he still holds the world record, if I'm not incorrect here, yeah, for the triple English Channel crossing. Mm. He swam twenty. If you can get, it's almost impossible to get your head around this, right? He swam twenty-eight and a half hours for a three-way crossing of the English Channel, which averages out at nine and a half hours. Now, even if you get very good conditions one way a nine and a half hour swim is amazing but if you get good conditions in one way guaranteed it's going to be absolutely shocking yeah. in the other direction so for phil to actually do that you know three times in 28 and a half hours and we're talking like i think it was like 1988 ish or something yeah. like that um yeah just totally crazy so he's the guy who guides everybody across on the cook straight and um i know i know phil reasonably well i'd certainly love to um love to go over there and, and do that at some point for sure Mm. Now, Bevan said last week, he said, I oh, should get Paul on the show. We haven't had uh, sort of a swim discussion for a while. So I sort of went straight onto Swim Smooth website and uh, sort of see what you're up to. It's changed. And then, boom, saw this uh, app in front of me that I hadn't heard about. And uh, yeah, just intrigued to find out more about this. So um, my simpleton's analysis of seeing about uh, two images of it is, you know, you've got your Apple Watch and that's going to talk to your smartphone. Um, and you guys have developed an app that's going to give people feedback. So maybe... That's probably not 100% accurate, but sort of give, give us a bit of an overview on, on what this actually uh, is and how it all sort of works. Yeah, it's a pretty good overview, so um, for sure. Uh, <laughs> well done. Um, so I think one of the interesting things is, I mean, Swimsuit has been going since 2004, and mm. when we first released it, or when I first released it, started off with a DVD box set, and the idea was just to try to teach as many swimmers and coaches around the world how to actually improve their efficiency and technique, and we showcased um, all the drills that I've been developing over here in Perth and gave everyone a training program to take away. But obviously sat in front of a TV um, has its limitations and the everything sort of developed over the years. We ended, ended up adding, adding uh, waterproof training plans. We then had uh, released a book in 2012. Um, we had our swim type system as well, which I believe I've spoken to you guys about and mm. in the past on the podcast. Yeah. And then in 2013, we decided that, okay, time was right to start to look at streaming a lot of this video content um, as opposed to uh, packaging it in a DVD. And obviously 
yeah, YouTube was was up and flourishing by that point in time. But um, we wanted a way to sort of be able to create, um, without this sounding too grandiose, almost a, the Netflix of swim coaching, if you like, or Netflix yeah. of swim videos. So like a, a library of, of swimming content. And that was the first iteration of this uh, app, the, the app that you just mentioned there on the swimsmooth.com website now, third generation in. And that first generation, we, yeah, it did a really good job in terms of actually getting the videos out there and the training plans. And one of the things it did really well was actually teach people how to use a tempo trainer. Um, so many of our sessions, in fact, I just did a, a YouTube video on this last night. Many of our sessions involve using a tempo trainer uh, to guide swimmers through their training programs. And what sort of inspired me with that was the, um, I got a, ended up buying a power meter in 2006 when I was still doing triathlon. And I just loved the way of actually having this one simple number, this FTP marker, and uh, just being able to gauge all of your training around that one point, either above or below it. And um, so consequently, I started looking for something like that within swimming and sw uh, critical swim speed, CSS pace, um, as many people refer to it, is something that's been around since the early 1990s, but nobody had really sort of leveraged the methodology or the training programs to actually sort of go along in line with that. Um, and when the Tempo Trainer came out, the Tempo Trainer Pro, it had the ability to be able to change increments by one one hundredth of a second. So no longer we're using the swimming clock and thinking, oh, I've just done about this sort of time or about that sort of time, but not knowing how you've paced it. You can actually then set an audible beep to beep at you every 25 meters and keep you on track. So the tempo trainer has been a fantastic part of that. And, and in the first iteration of, of the app, um, which was 2013 when we released that, um, it was very much about trying to get people to utilize that. Um, we then had the second version came along. So this sort of developing and leading up to where we get to with version three. And the second version, um, there was a, a little product um, came out on the market called the Platysense Marlin, um, which is a great little device, but unfortunately didn't, uh, it's, it's unfortunately just actually gone under as a, as a company, um, which is a real shame really, because this little gadget was worn underneath the swimming cap and using bone conduction, it would actually talk to you and give you feedback whilst you're swimming. Wow. Uh, it wasn't giving you feedback on your stroke technique as such, but if you set a course in the open water, this was really cool. If you said, right, okay, I want to swim this rectangular course, it's 2000 meters, here are my three marker points to get the three turns in. You can literally plot them on a map, send it across to the device, and then as you're swimming, without needing to lift your head up and look where you're going, the device will actually guide you whether or not you're drifting off course, wow. which is really, really cool because, I mean, yeah, obviously open water swimming, you do need to sight and stuff, but when you're doing your training, it's quite nice to sort of um, make sure you're obviously on a, a course that hasn't got any obstacles in the way and stuff, but, but just to give you that sort of, okay, I'm going around this course, it makes it a little bit gamified, if you like, and gave you a little bit of focus and structure, but the really cool thing with that with that uh, product is we did quite a bit of work with them and um we got it to um, allow us to actually be able to send our training sessions and we've got you know over a thousand training sessions written from the squads here in perth and actually send them to the device and the device would actually read out the training session whilst the swimmer was swimming so for example i've just come back from the pool this morning i've just done my 10 400s red mist session it would literally start by saying 10 400s first four, give me a target pace. And then the target pace was all linked back to that CSS pace. So for example, this morning, I did, I did four 400s holding 124, three 400s holding 123, two 400s holding 122, and then one 400 at the end holding 121. And you can either use a tempo trainer to give you that feedback, or this little Marlin would actually record it and give you that feedback as you're swimming. But the cool thing about it was, and this was really where the second generation of the app went, was the ability to then be able to send that feedback directly back to the app 
so we could actually give you some advice on how well you've gone in terms of pacing and and uh, and all those sort of things and then equally be able to suggest sessions to actually send back to the to the app going forwards um about two years ago we um, then started looking at okay what other devices and wearables are on the market um obviously apple watch uh, being one of them garmin's very very popular as well um and you know when you look at the triathlon community specifically there's a far greater usage of garmin than there is apple yeah but we had to make a decision initially about which um which wearable to actually um you know, develop on and the Apple Watch was an easier interface to actually work with um, in terms of actually getting the data from it. So we're basically pulling uh, gyroscopic and accelerometer data off the watch and then utilizing that to map a swimmer's stroke whilst they're swimming. We can give you like a heat map. So one of the classic things that people tend to do is they'll, they'll cross over in front of their head, um, which might send them off course. It might give them shoulder injury. Um, it might just cause them to scissor kick with their legs. All the stuff which we've done, you know, for the last 17 years, um, we're now able to start to recognize that by utilizing some wearable data from the swimmer and then present it visually to them after the swim so they can make adjustments. It's still, um, you know, it's it's still not live feedback. You know, that's something which we'd love to get to the stage of being able to do sort of, you know, if you were swimming along uh, and being able to give you that live feedback as you're going yeah. would be absolutely fantastic. But that's really where obviously our, our coaches come in and we've, we've got 50 certified swim swimming coaches now dotted around the planet. And um, one of the cool things I've been working on over the last, two years really not being able to travel outside of Perth, um, let alone outside the country, just being whole, I've just been literally sat on the ball deck, just trying to devise and develop and uh, refresh and renew all the, the, the coaching ideas and methodology, if you like. Um, we've got, um, I don't know if you guys use GoPros yourself, but the new version of the GoPro, GoPro Hero 10 is absolutely mind-blowingly good. Um, GoPro have just released a, um, a subscription service. I think they've had it out for about 12 months or something now. But it's pretty good value because it, you pay about $70 a year. And what's, what it allows you to do as a coach or even as an avid swimmer is store all of your GoPro files on there, an unlimited amount of GoPro files on there uh, for $70 a year, which when you look at the sort of size of those files and the amount of data that somebody like me who's using this, you know, literally two or three times a day, every single day, it, it's an amazing thing. Mm. So it got me thinking a little bit about how can we actually improve that feedback for the swimmers? You know, we've got the app, we've got the, we've got the book, we've got the, D, the old DVDs and stuff, but how can we take it even a step further with our coaches? Um, Cause obviously they are our flagship uh, service, if you like. And um, so what we're doing now, when I'm doing a one-to-one -one video analysis session, I'll film somebody with the GoPro uh, we'll sit down, we'll do the analysis, we'll go through the stroke, we'll refer back to some of the drills and videos from, you know, some of them from 2014, 2015, but they're still very valid in terms of, in terms of the coaching uh, the methodology there, if you like, yeah. you know, and the, the focus of it. And, um, and we'd record that. So the swimmer would go away and they'd actually have a recording of the analysis. So we've been doing that for God, well over well over a decade now. Um, I've I've personally been doing it for nearly two nearly two decades. Crazy enough, I'm starting to show my age. Mm -hmm. But with this uh, with this new GoPro, um, what I'm doing now is I'm actually strapping a chest harness to myself. Um, so when we jump back in the water and do the stroke correction component, I'm actually filming me 
coaching the swimmer with all the voiceover feedback over the top of it the swimmer's hooked up with a little radio headset so he can hear he or she can hear what i'm saying to them but the that audio is also getting transcribed over the top of the video as well so the swimmer can see in real time the fixes that i'm making to their stroke which back up what we've done in the video analysis so when they get home rather than thinking oh yeah that felt okay you know but i'm not sure if it did make a difference they can actually be reassured by going back and watching the video clip and seeing just how much of a difference it has made to them. And it, it becomes really confidence boosting, you know, and I've, I've, that's literally just hot off the press in the last couple of months is that. Um, but all I'm trying to get all my coaches to try and do it now because it's not hard. You know, it's not hard to do it. Obviously, the 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 um, the difficulty or the challenge is making sure you, you're giving the swimmer the right bit of feedback and the right bit of yeah. uh, focus and you do it succinctly and you don't try and overload them too much. And it's something that they would genuinely get benefit from watching back through. But that's where um, I'd like to think uh, the swim smooth methodology helps our coaches to actually deliver on that and uh, and move it forwards, yeah. So maybe just talk us through, you know, if someone's got, got your app and they've got an Apple Watch, um, they go to the pool, they do this session, whether it be a hard session, whether it be an easy session, whatever it is, they come out of the pool afterwards. What um, I know you sort of talked about heat maps and so on. Is that sort of it's going to say your left hand was going across um, too far 25% of the time? Or what, what sort of feedback are they actually going to get? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the feedbacks work on a almost like a scale of one to five. So five out of five would be you're doing it very good. You've got no problems. One out of five or even less than less than one out of five, would just go down to 0.1 um, would be, hey, you've got a major problem here. So what we'll do is we'll actually rank those issues. And we, we can at this point in time, we can actually identify six um, uh, issues within somebody's stroke and um, and then obviously give them feedback based on you know our historical stroke fault fixes and and things to actually correct it so you know let's say for example you've got a massive crossover we'll flag that as the most important thing we'll then send you through a series of um, videos or almost like an instagram story file to begin with saying you know, okay this is the reason it's it it's an issue here's a couple of videos to watch and then recommend the next training session for them to try and correct that uh, that particular issue but the the other thing it does as well is that over the years, I, I think you know, right from the, that very first DVD that I mentioned in 2004, it was split down into three DVDs. So the first DVD was all about technique, the second DVD was all about training, and the last DVD was all about adapting your stroke to the open water. Um, I mean, a lot of people see me as a pure swimming coach. I I don't see that at all. I see myself as a swimming coach for triathlon and open water with freestyle distance, you know, as a, as a speciality. It's not, I'm certainly not doing butterfly backstroke and breaststroke, at least not, not at this time anyway. Um, so what, what then carries through within the app as well is that notion that, okay, we can give you feedback on the technique. We can show you what drills to do, et cetera, et cetera. But a large component of what we do um, is also on the training side of things. So if somebody said to me, uh, or they're using the app, and they want to develop a training program for 16 weeks leading up to the next Ironman, they can literally go in there and give it some parameters, tell them what their CSS pace is if they've done a test. Um, they can tell them how many times per week they're swimming. Um, they can tell them, um, you know, what sort of uh, goals they have in terms of, you know, is it a time goal or is it just, just a finished type of a goal? And we'll uh, intelligently create them a training program pulling from those that library of a thousand different training sessions and then as they go through each week, they just open up the app, see the session that they need to do. They can either view it on the phone or print it off and take it down to pool deck. People still like doing that, you know, still mm -hmm. people, people like printing off. I know it's probably not the most eco-friendly way of doing things, but 
the number of people I see with soggy wet pieces of paper on the pool yeah. deck still, um, just because it's it's so easy to do that. Um, and um, yeah, and they, they follow it through step by step. And one of the things I'm really pedantic in particular about, um, and the, the app is very, very good in this regard as well, is it is, is about pacing. Um, so this morning on those on that 10400 session that I've just done, my ultimate goal is that all of those levels that I was mentioned beforehand, they're all sub thresholds. So I'm not going flat out, but I am trying to simply pace myself as best I possibly can. And what the app can do is it can take the data from the you know the turn data when you turned within that 400 and compare each lap to its uh, to itself. Um, and what that does is it can then give you a score out of 100 for how well you paced yourself. So, for example, this morning, I'm quite, I'm going to blow my own horn here. <laughs> I got 96% in terms of my well, pacing. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but um, the interesting thing with that is that I, I am, if anybody knows me properly, historically, I've been absolutely crap at, um, at pacing. It's always been my, uh, my Achilles heel. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go off too fast, I'll blow up and I'll slow down. But it's only over the years that the Manhattan race that you mentioned earlier on was, um, was absolutely uh, a pivotal point for me, really, because I ended up winning that race. And the only reason I, I believe I actually won it is because I did control that pacing right from the get-go. Yeah. I was in the top four or five swimmers right at the start, and I thought, I shouldn't be here. I'm in company that I shouldn't be keeping here. Um, and for the first time ever, I consciously made the decision not to sort of just hang on and see what happened, but to actually drop off the back of them and let them go for three or 400 metres. Um, and then eventually two or three hours later, they came back to me and then I went past them. And I, I absolutely guarantee it's because of the pacing and all the work that I've been doing on that point. So that's that was a part of the app and part of our coaching that I really try and hammer across to people. You know, it sounds like I sound like a broken record when I'm talking about it, but I'm very much speaking from experience and knowing the benefit that that. Well, let's be honest, it's, it's that, one you know. of the biggest problems in endurance sport, isn't it? People not sticking to a pace going too hard too early. You know, like it's in training and in racing. Yeah. Well, one of the things um, you sort of just touched on there, you know, if someone is thinking about doing, say, they're going into the Northern Hemisphere winter and they want to really knuckle down their swimming, maybe they haven't got that much experience. Um, you sort of said, you know, they can go in there, put in all their details in terms of CSS pace and, and so on, and it, and it will come out with a, with a program for them. What, yep. you know, if someone does want to say, I really want to try my swimming four or five times a week over winter, I've, I've sort of stuck on that, maybe that 70 to 85 minute range. And I've never really swum seriously before. It's just go down to the pool and we'll swim two or three K and nice and steady. What, what are some of the main things people could expect from probably one of your programs from, from a periodization point of view in terms of how they build their swimming up and also from a, I guess, from a week structure point of view as to, you know, what some of the variations they might see session to session within a week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think first and foremost, if I take my squad here in Perth as a bit of an example, we run 12 sessions per week and we, we actually stick to that same structure within those sessions week in, week out. So, for example, Monday morning, we have two sessions. They're both pure technique sessions, which are focusing very much on technique work, drill work, feedback from the coach, etc. On a Tuesday, we have three sessions which offer technique and endurance. So we do some drills at the start and then we build in a little bit of um, sub-threshold as in you know three or four seconds slower than threshold pace um, endurance intervals just to allow the swimmer to actually progress um, and sort of take that the drill work that they've been doing and put it into the normal full stroke freestyle we then on a Wednesday morning we do our red mist endurance session uh, which is up to 5,000 meters and even though that's the hardest session 
on the on the entire program it's unbelievably popular um so i'm looking at the numbers right now we have i can take a maximum of 48 people in that session but we've got 28 other people sat on the waiting list waiting to get into that session waiting hoping 48 or 28 will pull out and they'll be they'll be able to get in and that session doesn't involve any technique work at all and in many cases involves the swimmers starting off without any warm-up as well which you know some people would scorn it and go oh you've got to have a warm-up but uh, if you think about the number of times you're doing an Ironman or half Ironman and it's literally impossible to get a swimming warm-up because you might not even be allowed into the water so we've tried to recreate that very feeling that sentiment on a on a Wednesday morning and get the get the swimmer in there um later on a Wednesday and then we also do this on a Thursday and two of the sessions on a Friday is our CSS development session which I'll dig into in a moment because the really to answer your question there I think it's really important that if somebody's on a bit of a plateau hasn't improved they've got to know some benchmarks because it's all very well saying oh, I haven't improved and then you ask them and say well what pace can you swim and they go ah uh, I don't know, really. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's like, well, you don't know if you've improved if you don't know, <laughs> you know, if you haven't measured where, where you're at. And I think a lot of people are scared to measure themselves, maybe. Mm. Um, but, you know, it doesn't have to be hard. I mean, the, the CSS session that we do on a Friday and really every other session that we that we base around um, is all based around knowing this one simple number, like I mentioned FTP on the bike. I'm sure most of your listeners are familiar with FTP on the bike. It just makes sense to actually know what that number is. And you can categorically know if you're improving or not uh, week mm-hmm. in, week out, if that number shifts. <clears throat> um, so um, the CSS test, very, very simple indeed. You'd want to do a bit of a warm-up, a couple of little sprints and pickups, and then you do a 400-meter time trial. And people ask, how fast do you go on a 400-meter time trial? And the answer is you go as fast as you can. Um, but it still wants to be paced well. And what we find from, um, from how this has worked over the years is that somebody will do the 400 meter time trial and let's say they swim uh, just picking a number off my top of my head here seven minutes for that 400 meters they'll have a, an easy swim then of around about five minutes and then they'll do a 200 meter time trial and obviously you'd expect the swimmer to swim faster for 200 than they would for 400 and what the little calculation is looking at is the rate of drop off between those two so if we keep the numbers simple seven minutes for 400 and three minutes 20 um for the um for the 200 meters um so just under half that half that time to to actually achieve that you take the 320 from the seven minutes and then you're left with your your 340 and if you divide that by um three minutes 40 if you divide that by two you get a um a css pace then of one minute 50 per 100 um so then you've got a bit of a benchmark to work with now the pacing on that first 400 is absolutely imperative. And some people get this really wrong and they'll blow up and they'll end up doing a slower time for the 200 because they're so knackered. So what we encourage people to do, um, and certainly in version two of the app that I mentioned beforehand, which is uh, 2014, just up until 2020, we had a concept called CSS tweaking, where a lot of people get het up by, oh, I've done this CSS test. It doesn't seem right. The times don't seem good. And do I need to do it again? Or is it a waste of a session to do it again? And came up with this concept of CSS tweaking, whereby, okay, well, take that number, whatever it is, whatever it spits out at you, do your first training session and then um, 
uh, and then tweak it from there, basically. So we had a little thing online where you could actually just tweak the numbers up and down slightly and uh, and then try a next session at that level. And sure enough, it'll actually give you uh, give you a bit of feedback in terms of how how well you're going on that. So, um, yeah, again, those benchmarks are absolute, absolutely essential. And I think the the other thing to then add into the, into the mix on that is that I mentioned I'd just done this uh, YouTube video yesterday about the different types of training you can do with a tempo trainer. These tempo trainers, you know, they're about 60, 70 uh, US dollars. The first few comments that came back on YouTube saying, oh, it's so expensive for a little piece of plastic and stuff yeah. like that. But but the, these things work so well. And they, the, the beauty is in the simplicity because if you're not, you know, not everybody likes to use a wearable and track absolutely everything to the nth degree. Um, but this thing, you just set it up. So in that case of that, that gentleman or lady that we just worked out with one minute 50 per 100, their CSS pace or their um, or their time per 25 meters would be 27.5 seconds. So all they'd need to do is turn this tempo trainer on, mode one, dial it to 27.5 seconds, and then they might be encouraged to do, you know, the, pro the program might ask them to do eight times 200 meters with 20 seconds rest, just try and stay with that beeper. And the cool thing is that week on week, you can actually make that time a little bit faster, just fractions of a second faster to actually help move forward. So that would be my first tip really for somebody approaching this, somebody who has convinced themselves that they're on this bit of a plateau is to first ask the question, do you really know that you're on a plateau or do you just feel like you're on a plateau? Because if you feel like you're on a plateau, chances are that's not you know, it's very hard to work with because you just you're most likely to carry on doing exactly what you've done over the last few years and not progress any further. So set some benchmarks initially, do some testing, and then start to follow some structured training sessions to actually uh, deliver on that. And I keep mentioning this ten four hundreds that I'm doing. It's I've been out of the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it should it shouldn't do that. I I. I you know, you can do all sorts of variations of that. You could do 10 200s or 10 300s. It's just, it just so happens that 10 400s was what I used to do at Bath University every Monday morning with um, with the British Triathlon Program. You know, Simon Lessing was there and Tim Don and yeah. um, all these top athletes and stuff. And and that's it was as boring as it was. That's what we did every Monday morning because it worked. You know, and yeah. I used to hate it at university because it sounds so dull and boring. But when you actually get into the, I guess, understand a little bit more of the science behind it. And the and the physiology behind it and even just getting into the right sort of headspace for it as well it becomes it becomes a really good challenge you know and i've i think today was my seventh week back swimming and i, I started from quite a low base um so i started off thinking my css and i say thinking so i didn't do a css test i just know where i'm likely to be after having the time type of time off that i've had off so i started all my benchmark based off uh, 124 per 100 um and today i was working off 118 per 100 so for the last seven weeks um i've actually just reduced the time down by one second per 100 on each of those levels and you know the session still feels today like it did six or seven weeks ago but i've progressed by six or seven seconds 100 in that time and that's a you know it's a massive amount really when you think about it it's um or is it about a minute, a minute 30 over a 1500 in terms of improvement in that short space of time. But it's only by being doing by doing that diligently, knowing where I've started at and then just following this little beeper that I've, I've been able to, to make those pro make that change and make that, uh, make those increments. And I think over the years, people, yeah, it's so easy 
to monitor cycling performance and improvement because you've got your power meter and you're looking at your training peaks and you're looking at your graphs and your stats and your charts. And likewise on the running, you may be looking at your Garmin or what have you, and you've seen things improve, but people haven't really tracked over the years, haven't really tracked their swimming development much more than, you know, recording it on the Garmin, getting home and seeing that they've swum 3,500 meters. And it's like, okay, you've done 3,500 meters. So what, how fast have you done it? What does that mean relative to your threshold? Have you, what sort of time have you spent in each of the the most appropriate zones and and you mentioned there earlier on about about periodizing it i i've got a i've got an interesting take i think anyway on on periodization and um, it's partly borrowed from experience and partly borrowed from listening to other coaches and stuff and i think um brett sutton talks a lot about reverse periodization um over the years and and really when if i think back to university um when i was training up for olympic distance triathlon my, my periodization that I'd have been doing for swim, bike and run would have been to do all the long, steady stuff in the winter. And then as it got closer and closer towards the race to do the shorter, shorter, shorter sharper stuff leading to the event. But I, I think a lot of people doing Ironman think that that's that same format should be exactly the same, um, where they do all the long, steady stuff and then sharpen up for the event. But if you think about it, periodization is all about going from a period of very general general uh, fitness to very specific fitness so the specific fitness for the ironman athlete is not about the short sharp stuff leading into the event it's actually about doing more of the longer slower stuff and actually just getting really really good at utilizing your fats and your pacing and your aerobic uh, conditioning for that um so in terms of the periodization that i tend to do here in perth I try to keep things super simple. I've done it the opposite way. When I first started coaching, I came straight out of university thinking, yeah, I'm going to make everything super scientific here. And we're going to have all these like, um, um, you know, uh, three weeks on one week off and we're going to build up to this and then drop down to that. But it gradually became quite clear to me that, and this, we're talking about 2002 here, that so many people are training for so many different events now which have so many different requisites in terms of their fitness, that if you're trying to run a squad, which I do, the the best thing I can do for my athletes is actually just ensure that my weekly structure stays the same week in, week out. Um, But the way they actually get their progression and their periodization, if you like, is by listening maybe to their triathlon coach say, hey, take an easier week on swim, bike and run this week. Um, So therefore they know to sit at the back of the lane Um, or, and equally for me to actually measure and monitor their development with the tempo trainer. So you know, if it, taking me as an example, if I was still giving myself the same target times from six, seven weeks ago, I'm not going to have progressed at all because I've, you know, I've shown that I've got six or seven seconds worth of improvement because I've actually been diligent about that. And that's what I do with my swimmers, um, swimmers and triathletes in the squad is I just keep a very close eye on, on how they're progressing week in and week out and make those adjustments to their speed. And, and that for me is the progression. Um, it doesn't sound like it's overly complicated periodization, but that's simply because it's not. Um, I just try to keep a, a very, a very general structure going on there. And I'd encourage I'd encourage anybody really to ensure that one of the things that makes a, a big difference to a good swim program is just the consistent. And I, I know we hear that, that word all the time, consistency, 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 but it's absolutely true. You know, um, at Bath university, we didn't periodize our swim program. This was the British uh, world-class performance program with Simon Lesson, Tim Don, and these guys, Stuart Hayes. It wasn't periodized as such. We just, every week we had the same structure and we got better by swimming fast on those things as the coaches sort of recognize that we're improving over time. So I think people can actually overly complicate things. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, 
you should take that same method and formula for the bike and for the run. But when you train up for an Ironman, especially if you're somebody fairly new, you know, your longest ride at the start of that program might only be 40 or 50 kilometers. By the end of the program, you've got to have got yourself to 150, 180, even a 200K ride. Whereas in swimming, you know, you might start off, anybody who's, you know, confident that they can get around an Ironman course might be capable at the start of the program of being able to swim 1500 meters. And by the end of the program, they need to swim 3.8 kilometers. So it's not a massive, massive shift, but you can make big changes in terms of their technical development and obviously their, um, their ability to hold a, a higher threshold pace as they start to develop and improve. Yeah, yeah guys, look, I mean, I think people often dismiss their swimming a bit so it's just highly echo what we've heard is go out there and actually do some testing that'll find out where you're at secondly get a structured program and then you'll actually find your swimming's a hell of a lot more interesting because you'll be able totally. to go to the pool and just go oh right i've got some structure here so it'll be a lot more interesting many many of you will not have access to squads which is which is a shame because squads are awesome um but yeah I, now now's a good time to do it you know you finish your season you might be sitting there twiddling your thumbs going what am i going to do it's too too early to start building up for next year but if you put a good sort of three months into your swimming you can make some pretty significant changes not only getting faster but also getting more efficient and then when you get back into your sort of swim bike run focus next year then you're going to be at a, at a higher level and and should be able to hold on to it a lot more so Awesome, Paul. And we love your work as always. I think we're going to have to get you on uh, inside the next 300 shows, unlike last time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But if people want to check out your stuff, it's uh, swimsmooth.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're also on uh, on Instagram and Facebook under the handle Swim Smooth as well. So, um, yeah, we just started pushing out some new new content and bits and pieces, specifically over Instagram and, uh, like I mentioned, a couple of new YouTube videos going out as well. The um, it's really interesting that you reached out, uh, Bevan, this uh, last week and uh, and John there because the um, the some of the videos and content that I'm actually putting out is all related to exactly what we've just been talking to this morning. So later on today, for example, I'm I'm putting out a thing talking about the tempo trainer um, and then also listing four or five sessions, as you've just been asking about there that somebody could actually do to actually structure their training program, but without getting, you know, overly complicated and, and just keeping it, uh, keeping it nice and simple really. Cause I mean, you don't like if, if you had the aptitude for it, I would literally say to you, you know, I'm going to say to say to your uh, your followers here, if you had the aptitude for it, I would actually give that challenge of doing the 10 400s once a week a bit of a go, mm. um, and it might be 10 300s or it might be 10 200s if you're starting at that level sort of thing. But if you can just track that as your one little mini test set per week, it's not going to be the most interesting session you're going to do sort of thing, but it will allow you to actually gauge how you're going, and you just end up finding a better way of getting through it. Um, I can certainly send you through the the full information for that, guys, to put on the show notes if, if mm. that would help. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, combined with that, I would um, I would add in a, a session where you're maybe identifying some of the flaws within your stroke and you're working on a few drills to, to actually do that and actually refine it. I think one of the best sessions you can do as well, and this sounds really basic, is, um, is just getting in and do a 2,000-meter continuous swim. Um, the way I make that a little bit less boring is I'll work out to myself, okay, I'll say, 
the slowest time I want to swim for this or the slowest average pace I want to swim, swim for this is one minute 30 per hundred. So what I do, I make a bit of a game out of it. I'll put a tempo trainer in and it'll beep at me every one minute 30. And I'm just going to make sure I've turned past the hundred meter marker each time and, um, and just trying to get slightly ahead of it. And every time you revisit that session, just like the 10 400s, you just want to be a little bit further ahead than you were last time. And even though it's really, really basic, if you think about it, when you're doing a half Ironman or an Ironman swim, you're not doing your intervals, you're not doing your drills and stuff like that. You are swimming continuously. So it is important to be able to, you know, tap it out, get that consistency of pacing there, get into the mindset to be able to do that and deal with some of that boredom and like the, the, uh, the, the voice in your head that's telling you to stop and thinking, why the hell are you doing this? That's really important. And if you could add in a fourth session, um, it would definitely be one of these CSS development sessions that I mentioned earlier on. And a really good example of that would be our Goldilocks session which is basically four 100s and a 200, that's the baby bear, four 100s and a 300, that's the mama bear, and four 100s and a 400, and that would be the papa bear. And the simple idea behind that is you, you try and stick at CSS pace uh, for the hundreds um, with one beat recovery. So let's take a real simple example. Somebody's swimming at 120 per hundred. They're a pretty good swimmer, 120 per hundred. The beeper set to beep at them every 20 seconds. So they do their 100 meter swim. They stay with the beeper. They take one whole beat recovery, which is 20 seconds. They do another hundred. They do their four 100s. And then they try and double that distance over 200 and still stay with the beeper. Then they do the same thing with another set of hundreds, then the 300, another set of hundreds, and then the 400. And the real challenge then is to actually still be on that pace when you do the 400, the big popper bear at the end of it. Um, you know, again, it's not the most imaginative training session, but it is really challenging and really good as a benchmark of how you're moving forwards. And, you know, for those of you out there listening who like a bit of simplicity or maybe being affected by all the restrictions from COVID and stuff, and, you know, you, you, you don't want to be on the pool deck faffing around with, with loads of session ideas and stuff like that. You just want something that you can quickly get in and get done. Then those four sessions are, are uh, they would definitely be my uh, tip of the, tip of the uh, tip, top, top tip. <laughs> nice. Like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we have, hopefully we can get you over here for Cook Straight sometime. One of our big listeners in the, I'd love um, to come and visit you guys. Yeah. I'd love to yeah. come over there. It'd be, uh, it'd be awesome. It's been, a, it's been nearly 20 years since I've been in Christchurch itself. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah but John, John Hancock is one of, John Hancock's one of our big listeners in Wellington, Mountain Snail. He's looking at doing Cook Straight. So I'm sure he'll be able to tell you a thing or two about it. So, oh, is he? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. When's he, when's he due to do it? I'm not sure, but he did a thousand meters butterfly on our last Epic Camp a few weeks ago. So that was oh, a, nice, uh, really? a nice introduction. Yeah. Wow. So awesome. That is awesome. Uh, we love no your work. Uh, you're doing some awesome stuff. And guys, check out that app and also check out the YouTube channel. And uh, we'll have some stuff for you in the, in the show notes as well. So thanks for your time, Paul, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Brilliant, mate. Okay, Jombo, we're actually doing this bit before we did the interview with Paul, but we're sure it's a great interview. Paul's pretty knowledgeable, and the app does look pretty pretty cool. It does indeed, so hope you guys enjoyed that. Winger of the week. Okay. So we're going to go, we have, this week for some people may not have quite concluded, so there may be some changes in these rankings because uh, we're recording on a Monday for a change, and some people say, in the States might still be going. I'm going to say 63 Okay, we're going to give number one a bit of love. Julia Sparks on there. 
because she's doing the five passes, which is a bike tour around the South Island. And because but of that... Are they getting many people doing that nowadays? Well, they've got limits. They only do 100, and so they just... Which is kind of convenient for this year. Uh, so oh, yeah, she's done 43 minutes of swimming and 31 hours of biking. Mm. So good on her. She's she smoked the competition this week. Okay, George Gray was 63, but he's got a private account. We can't get in, George. George Madman Gray. He can, uh, let's have a look. If it is George Madman... It is George Madman Gray. Um, I'm following him, so I might oh, be able to see okay, it. Oh, okay, you get in there. I'm sure I should be following. George came on Epic Camp uh, when we did the last one in France, and he did go mad. He went nuts. Did he? Uh, and he did really, really well. So, yes, I can see what he okay, did. You tell he's us what he's, he's been done. a bit of a, bit of a Zwifter. It looks like he's on the new island in Zwift last weekend, or just today. Did 30 minutes with 4 by 4 His, uh, let's see what he's done in the last little period, last four weeks. Been averaging sixty point seven kilometers of running, back one and he has been averaging one hundred and sixty-eight. Bevan's breaking the studios. One hundred and sixty-eight kilometers on the bike, and has he been swimming? Yes, averaging two swims per week. Uh, and in terms of his longest ride he's ever done, two hundred twenty-nine point one kilometers. With the biggest climb he's ever done is exactly the same as me, and it was probably on exactly the same day. And in fact, I even remember this ride because we were going up the Col de Tourmalet, and I kind of wanted to go and try to ride it pretty hard and pretty close to my v, uh, FTP or in that sort of region. And George decided he wanted to try to keep up with me, and he, I think he got away from me early on. But we did. He did 181 kilometres on that day uh, with, uh, it's, it, was a, it was a massive day. He did 181 kilometres, 8 hours and 24 uh, ride time, 4,384 metres of climbing. We, uh, God, I'm just trying to pick these climbs we went over. I'm sure we did the colder, colder Beast probably first and then the colder Salore and then we did the Tourmalet and then I think we did the Aspect after that, and then I think the Perry Sword. It was a gigantic day, and at the end of that day, we were going into down into a place called Lords, and for the cricket, yeah. And I shit you not, it was like an absolute uh, hair dryer blowing in your face, and I think it was about. It was a massive heat wave going through, and I think it was well into the 40s, like mid-40s. It was insane. Uh, I'm just trying to see if I went quite as crazy as George did on that day and carried on. No, he even tacked on. I only did 152 Ks. He bloody turned around and carried on and uh, did some more. So that's why he's called the Madman. Here we go. What the hell is it? Trivial Pursuit time, is hey, it? don't worry. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. So uh, Paul is our winger of the week. week. Okay, questions and answers. We're going to need more through. <laughs> Jeez, from you rushed that one through. From Rebecca. <laughs> Who's Rebecca? Oh, no, I'll, I'll quickly summarise this. Who is Rebecca? Rebecca Spears. She sent this through. She's got a friend, uh, Andrew Dole, who is doing a study. So we need some Kiwi recruits for this. He's looking for females who are 18 plus, who can run and hike for four hours continuously with a regular menstrual cycle who are not using an oral or hormonal contraceptive and can visit the case centre in Tauranga for four visits. So um, I'm actually going to see if we can get Andrew on here. But if that fits the bill for you guys, uh, or you girls I should say, or women in, uh, up in the Tauranga area, uh, it's always good to have participate in studies uh, and he is going to hopefully enlighten 
that community uh, a little bit more. So he's focusing on female ultra endurance research on metabolism for his PhD. I'll put a, I'll put his email in the show notes. So if you are a female who want to help out with the study, just again go to www.imtalk.me. Look for today's show notes. It's one oh, sorry seven nine eight at the bottom of the of the kind of content. You'll just see a little email link there or email, so you can email him and get into it. Nice. Okay, John Swimsy, have you been for a swim? We haven't. This is going to be, if you, uh, my, my swimmers are listening, this is what we're doing tomorrow. We're going to warm up with 600, 100 yes. metres freestyle, 50 metres kick, yes. 50 metres drill, 100 yes. metres IM, twice through. And then it's time to do some bands only work, Bevan. You're loving the bands only lately, love a bit of bands, 4 by 100 50 metre bands is pretty straightforward. When you start doing 100, it just starts to get a little bit now, tiring. What, now, who has the bands? You bring them? I bring the bands. I've got an old car tyre. You can you can kind of, you can use an old uh, bike tube just cut up. You've got to have it pretty firm, and otherwise it's just end up kicking you in. You've the big no thick point. ones, don't you? I've got the big thick ones, so old car tyres uh, cut into strips. So we'll do 4 by 100 bands, and then the main set we'll do tomorrow is 3 times 3 we do 300 meters steady and then 650s fast with quite a bit of rest so you can actually hit them pretty hard Um, and some of these sessions I'm doing at the moment they're a bit shorter and a bit punchier because when you the way that we've got the pool set up there's yeah it's just COVID stuff kind of got to now Trevor what system you'll be able to go Oh, God knows, Bevan. Yeah. We'll find out about that when we get there. Mm-hmm. And then finish off with 600 metres ascending. Uh, and that means you're starting out really fast for the first 100 to 200. And then you're progressively slowing down. So the last part is your warm down. Okay, let's say a big thank you to our patrons. We've got Roger the Dodge Dooley. Magic Big Miss Zekant. We've got Joe Aragon Spragans. He always wears a hat when he does races. Mm-hmm. I see he's on my Facebook feed. Mm-hmm. I see Joe a lot. He races a lot. Mm-hmm. Bit of a legend. Uh, if you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. Go through the process. It's all pretty simple. You get a gift. Lots of cool prizes these cool days. prizes and you support the boys and what we do. Um, if you want some coaching, coach Newsom.com for my podcast, bevanjamesisles.com. Cool content such as Age Group of the Week, cool websites and other feedback. I am taught podcast at gmail.com. And please do send through some content. We're a bit short at this time of the year. So if you've seen, you know, had if any questions g- you have. Questions or, or good age group performances that have got a bit of a story to them, flick them on through, give some people a bit of love. Uh, a lot of you guys are going to be heading into winter, so now is a good time for all that sort of stuff. Okay, the question is what's John been up to? Oh, I had a bit of a drinking weekend, Bevan. <laughs> Back it yeah, up. Bloody hell. So I had Belinda's work due on Friday night. Drinking weekend, not just a drinking night. Yeah, and that was quite, uh, that was, you know. What was the gossip from the work due? Was there any good goss? No, but it was a really good work due. Uh, we went to the art gallery and uh, had a private tour of the art gallery. Oh, really? A couple of rooms there. And so we started at five, so it was a reasonably long evening. And then went out and had a private room in the art centre for dinner. Uh, oh, nice. So it was really sociable because you didn't have other patrons yeah. and stuff around. Yeah. So, so that was good. And then all afternoon on Saturday was uh, family, Blinders family sort of Christmas get together because we're sort of all booked up until yeah. now, until Christmas. Hit the skate ramp, Bevan. Back it up. You used to be a skater, didn't you? Well, yeah. But my brother-in-law who's a builder has got a big old place and he's built a, ska- a proper, proper like skate a ramp. Pipe. Yeah, like a proper High quality half pipe yeah. for his kids. Now, when you were younger, you have told us recently that you dropped in. Yep, there was had no had drop <laughs> happening there because <laughs> I was in Birkenstocks and shorts and a shirt. Uh, but I just got on there and was doing a bit of pumping, and uh, it was good. Really good. I'm gonna have to go back there, but you got to have knee pads. I, I, I never really rode the ramp much at all. You got to have knee pads because you have got to have that bailout option. And oh, I wasn't, yeah. uh, didn't want to, you know, tarnish my. Were any other fa- kids really good on it? No, they're all pretty young. 
So Tommy ever go? Yeah, yeah, they had a little bit of pumping, but they need to get on there a bit more. Practice. Can you call him Tommy still? Yes, you can call him whatever you want. He gets called a lot worse than that at home, <laughs> fairly regularly. Is that that agency? <laughs> yeah. Come, how many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> uh, so that was, and I was, yeah, a bit rusty on uh, Saturday morning. And then other than that, a bit of bike riding, a bit of junior coaching, getting ready for the Pack and Save Triathlon Festival this weekend. Where is it this year? It is in Lake Rua. It's fantastic. Closed roads and everything. Oh, but good. COVID stuff causing me a little bit of grief and a little bit of extra work, but that's okay because we've still got events. Bevan, what's, uh, do you have a big weekend? No, because we're going away. We're going away. We're going away to Hemna mm-hmm. for four nights. Leave mm-hmm. Pretty much as soon as we finish here, we're going to get the car a go and then come back Friday. Uh, what did I get up to? No, I didn't really. watch the rugby. Still oh, the crying rugby about that. sucks. Mm-hmm. The problem is we're getting beaten. Did we lose a cricket this morning as well? Yeah, we lost a cricket. We it's been a bad two weeks for yeah. New Zealand sport. <laughs> Three and potentially, it could have been an awesome two weeks because we could have won the World Cup. All Blacks dominate. Women's All Blacks. Uh, women's the only thing is Paul losing. Cole. Paul Cole winning the squash. Yeah, and he won in the, uh, it was in London actually, wasn't it? Yeah. Near Wharf, I think. Yeah, so it's, it's, he's pretty cool. But you know, New Zealand sport's not in the, and the rugby, women's rugby getting downtrade every week. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Lydia Coe's doing well. Lydia Coe, she's our, she's our hope. This is the thing in New Zealand for our overseas listeners. We get such a broad range of sports news, and we don't do very well on the international stage at many things, but when you do well, you get coverage. But in saying that, for the size of our country, we we well bet above our yeah, weight. Yeah, per capita. <laughs> oh, but even just, you know, like... But we have, like, motorcycle riders that doing, like, cross-country motorbike riding, and they get lots of coverage, oh, which is fantastic. That girl's like, like Courtney a, Duncan. Yeah, she's, she's a household name. If that was... In any major country, you wouldn't have a clue who she is. Yeah. So it is cool. Yeah, it is cool. Hey, it's been a pretty good year. Um, okay, so we've got a few minutes to kill because we've got an interview in 15 minutes. So I've bought this game called Geek Out, and I've got the 90s edition. Mm-hmm. And what Geek Out goes like this, it goes like this. So you, you'll name a category, and I'll ask a question, and I'll say name, for example, one Time Magazine Person of the Year. Mm-hmm. Now you can say, yeah, I can name one, and I can go, hmm, maybe I can name two. And you go, mm, maybe I can name it three. And when you keep betting, and then I say out, and you have to name how many you bet on. So right. let's use this one. So how many people, in Time Magazine people, persons of the year do you think you could name? So it's a bidding process. Yeah. You don't need to go too high. You want to kind of start low. Yeah, I'll go four. Ooh, four. <laughs> I don't know if I can get four. I'm going to say, I'll go five. Are you, all the answers going to no, be No, no, no. I'll have to look on the internet. Oh, bloody hell, we'll be here all day. No, no. Okay, I'll, 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 you go five. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, you look up the answers. Look up time person of the year. Okay. okay. I'm going to say Trump must have been one. I'm hoping not. Yeah, no, they, 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 they do. They, oh. they, okay, persons of the year. Have you, have you got the list? Uh, oh, yep. Okay, so I've got to get five, do I? Yep, 1927 okay. to present. Okay, Donald Trump. The link's a little slow on the uptake. Oh, come here on, Here we Link. go. Okay, Donald right, Trump. So he's going to be close to in the 2000s, isn't he? Yeah, I think it was yep, like two years ago. Yeah, 2016. Barack Obama? Surely. Yep. yep. Malia? Who? Malia, the, the Pakistani girl who was like a real good peacekeeper. So that would have been pretty recent. Yeah. That's a negative. Uh, the personal computer. That's like 1984 because they wouldn't want to give it to Steve Jobs. Am I right on that? Come on, come on, I come on. Don't. I don't. I'm looking in the 80s. I don't see that. I could have done this. Uh, um, I've got to say Bill Gates. Surely he's at a person of the year. Uh, you would have thought so. Mandela? 
Mandela's definitely on there. Yep. And then I thought, when I was thinking of this, I thought the other South African who just died, uh, de Klerk. No, I wouldn't have got that. Did he get it? Yep. How many have I got? I've got four. Yeah, I think so. No, I've got three. Oh. Just name American presidents. Yeah, okay, George it. Bush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kennedy. Yeah. I well, I'm sure Kennedy must be on there, mustn't he? Okay, here's the next one. Name one artist who's won a Grammy. <laughs> You're going to down. I've got no chance in this. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do a different one. Uh, uh, oh, Jesus Christ, this is a bit tough. Um, let me get more here. Okay. Uh, name. Th- oh. This is called selective questioning. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll know lots of this one, but you won't know that one. Okay, three flavored drink brands. Three. So the. Could be like Coke. Yeah. Right. So flavored drink. Yeah. Brands. Six. Go for it. Seven Up, Sprite, Coke, Fanta, LMP, Mountain Dew. Oh, you smashed it. What's this game? We don't, we don't need too many more, but what is it called? It's called Geek Out. Geek Out. Right. On. Okay, we'll do one more. Where, where was this purchased? This is a good stocking filler. Yeah, I got it online. It was only 20 bucks. You got it where? Online. Okay. I was caught from Game Kings or something. Um, um, bit, of, bit of variation in pricing here, depending on where you get it from. Well, I got, yeah, don't, yeah, you want, mm. yeah, definitely. Uh, Delivery okay. time? Uh, like three days. Okay. That was very good. Okay. Um, 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 I'll just talk about something for a second. I've got to find the next question. Looks like there's, uh, there's three editions. There's a 90s edition, an yeah, 80s we've got edition. The 90s. Two actors that have won Academy Awards. Oh, right. Two, two actors. Yeah. So you've got to name in multiples of two. No, you? no, you just got to name two. So you could say two that you already know. Yeah. And then, so you got, so what, it's giving you a start line. So yeah. you, to, you have to get two. Right. So you could say pass and then I go three. and or, Okay. Um, Academy Awards So they've got about Won the overall prize I think, No they've just got a one category. So it could be support It could be oh, I'm hopeless And bloody actors <laughs> It's not I'll a go five I think you probably Want to get 90s edition Because it's really Kind of pop culture But I think the normal edition Has like art, um, literature And stuff as well Yeah You're going five I reckon I go seven Go for seven oh. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go Have you got Academy Award winners Okay, okay. I don't want to lose my, my Okay Okay Um Okay, I've got, I'm going to go Tom Hanks, definitely. Russell Crowe, Meryl Streep, Renee Zellwinger, whatever her name is, she won, she won, Zellwinger. Yeah, she won recently. Um, Sean Penn, I went seven, didn't I? Yeah. It's five. Um, uh, get him award winners, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Denzel Washington, surely. Shorty, because yeah, because he won it. He did. He won it for Training Day. Okay. Um, and then lucky last one more. Everyone's screaming at me right now. I'm gonna say last year, Chapman Bowen did he went on? Uh, Chad, Chadwick, the guy, the the guy who died. Yep. Yes, that's my seven. Uh, I think so. I saw the. I saw the. He was the guy who did the he was Black Marvel Panther. Black yeah. Panther. Yeah, I think I saw his name somewhere. Yeah. Oh, oh Heath Ledger. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You're good. So it's a good game, and you get you get a bunch of people, and yeah, and, and there's lots of different questions. So it's called Geek Out. 
Geek nice. out. So if you want to get a fun game for a stockings, stockings filler. Stockings filler. Yep. Games are always fun. Okay, that wrapped up 10 minutes. That's good. Did, did, the, did the job. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, we're going to kill 10 minutes. Okay, John, uh, what about this week? What are you doing? I'm organising a race. That is my entire week wiped out. And then... You going to get anything on Black Friday? I've got a few... What do you need? I need a new bike computer. And then, yeah, that's probably the main thing mm. I need to get. Mm. Just run, out of, run out of juice. Well, well that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Juice is always looking for an angle. <laughs> I'm always looking for an angle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we so. bought a TV, but we bought it maybe a week too early, so we're going to wait and see if it mm-hmm. comes on sale. Nice. We bought one of those framed, I was telling John, we got one of those framed TVs, mm. which is basically looks like a piece of art on the wall, but it's mm. actually a TV. Amazing. Amazeballs. So anyway, you know what, John, let's wrap it up. You're talking too much. I'm Russ. <laughs> Try me, don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.